Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Good morning, church. I know you're thinking something looks different right now as we prepare for the sermon, and there is. Um, I have hair. Um, as we begin to look at the Word, I would just like to start with prayer today. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you for the, 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 the Bible, what you've given us, and we just pray that we let these words, these next few moments, soak into our hearts, challenge us to be better, and to live for you and to reach others. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my sermon today is Be Your Story. And uh, according to my Bible app, 24 weeks ago, I highlighted a single verse. Uh, it was during the church fast. I was reading through Judges, and I came across the story of Samson. And Samson is a four-chapter story that, that um, describes his life and tells us what he went through. And the single verse at the end has just stuck with me for 24 weeks now. So I can't preach on four chapters, but we got to go over four chapters to get to the one verse. And so the story of Samson is told in Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. So I'm going to do my best to paraphrase the story of Samson for you to set up to the verse we're going to. And it starts in, verse, in chapter 13 where Manoah, who would be Samson's father or future father and his wife, have no children. An angel appears to them and promises them that a son is coming they have some dialogue with, they have, with this angel. They have multiple meetings with this angel. And the angel said, oh, you've got to do a few things, but first of all, you can never cut his hair. And the angel tells him that this will be the man who will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. That's a big promise. The baby was born. They named him Samson. And it says, and the Bible tells us that the Lord blessed him as he grew, and the spirit of the Lord stirred in Samson's heart. So pretty cool beginning for the story of Samson, chapter 13. But now when we jump to chapter 14, we find that Samson is out wandering in Philistine territory, ends up in Timnah, and he finds a filly, okay? He finds a Philistine girl that he wants to marry, all right? Comes home and tells mom and dad, I found the one, and they're like, oh, okay, how about a local girl? And he says, no, no, this is the one. And so what his parents didn't know is that the Lord was creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines, but mom and dad were still a little leery about marrying a Philistine girl. So he said, I'm going to go. I'm going to tell her we're going to get married. We're going to prepare things up. So he's heading, to, heading back to Timnah. Along the journey, on the way, he gets attacked by a lion. He grabs the lion, rips his jaws apart, kills it, and just leaves on the road to die as if nothing happens, keep right on walking. He goes into Timnah. Finds this girl, says, I'm going to marry you, tells dad I'm going to marry you, and I'm going to be back, and we'll do the whole thing. He says, okay, see you in a bit, and that's the way it worked back then. It was not uncommon, and just show up later and get married, and so forth. So, things go well. He comes back and tells mom and dad, okay, it's harvest time, it's time to get married. It's around that season. He goes back to Timna, and laying alongside the road is still that lion that he had killed earlier, but now bees had come and filled it full of honey. So, he's having some honey on the way to go find his honey in Timnah. That was not scriptural, I added that part. 
But he shows up to Tim, he shows up to Timnah, the father of the bride, has said, "Okay, it's a week celebration. Let's get going. Here's 30 of my men to be your wedding party for the week." Okay, so he's got 30 of, of the Philistines to hang around, and Samson is gonna, you know, he's a little cocky and a little confident in himself. He says, "Let's have a. Let me give you a riddle." And I says, "Let's. I'm gonna give you a riddle. If any one of you can get the answer in this next seven days, I'll give you 30 garments and linen and like a really cool thing. But if none of you can solve it," you got to get me the 30 garments and linen. So he's kind of setting himself up for an easy win here, okay? And his, his riddle is this. Out of the one who eats came something sweet. Out of the strong came something sweet. Well, the riddle is describing the lion that he killed and the bees that filled it with honey, but no one in their right mind would know that this happened, especially where they were at. So he was setting them up for an answer they couldn't get. It was a for sure win. So three days passed, no one can figure it out. And in day four, these guys of the Philistines go to his Samson's future wife-to-be and says, you have to find the answer to this riddle. He's mocking us, okay? Find the answer. So this, this, uh, this filly that, that is it, with Samson is, now she's crying and begging and, oh, why, why can't you tell me the riddle? And it nagging and nagging and nagging. And it comes to day seven. And day seven, she's worn him out, okay? He says, okay, here, dear. It's, it's, the, it's the lion full of honey. So what does she do? She goes back and tells the posse, this is the answer to the riddle. They come back to Samson and say, we solved your riddle. It's the lion full of honey. He gets it. Samson is so upset at this because he's got to pay up the 30 garments of linen, 30 pieces of garment and linen, that he goes down to another Philistine town, kills 30 dudes, takes their clothes off and brings them back and drops them off those guys and says, I'm out. Okay? That's how he paid his debt. He goes back home mad and frustrated. So, um, I got a little ahead of my story. I apologize. This wasn't harvest time yet. It's harvest time now when he comes back to get married. All right? So, he's going to go back now and says, okay, I've settled down. Now it's time to go marry that girl. What he doesn't know is because he left in anger and killed all those men, the dad thought he was no longer interested in that girl. So, he gave her to his best man, hers in the wedding party. So, he shows up to Timnah, sees dad and says, okay, I'm, I'm ready to marry her. And he goes, well about that, okay? She's married to somebody else. This enrages him so mad, he goes out in the country and catches 300 fox. Now, I don't know how he did this. I don't know what the process of catching a fox is, but he catches 300 fox, puts them in pairs, ties them together by the tail, sticks a torch in between them, and lets them loose on the wheat fields of the Philistines during the harvest, okay? Extremely flammable. So he burns up all the wheat. The Philistines do not take this well, okay? They are mad. First of all, they go find the dad that gave his wife away, and they find the wife as well and burn them and kill them because they're so mad at what the dad did. Second, they are on a hunt for Samson. So Samson's runs. They catch up with him. He's in the mountains, in the rocks. They find him and say, hey, just come. We got you. Come on out. You know, let's, let's you know, surrender, if you will. Samson says, okay. He goes out, they tie him up with rope, and they're taking him back to Philistine country, you know, to take advantage of him. So Samson's so strong, he's walking with them. All of a sudden, they get to a hill. He just rips the rope off. He's free with his strength. He picks up a donkey jawbone. What does he do? Kills a 1,000 Philistines with a donkey jawbone. And I love what Scripture says in, in my NLT version. Is it says, he dropped the jawbone and went home. Kind of like a mic drop. Like, okay, there's a 1,000. I'm going home. Okay. <laughs> He goes home, he tells everyone what he did, even boasts about it, and scripture ends with chapter 15 saying that he judged Israel for 20 years. 
Now, 16, where it gets even crazier yet. The beginning of chapter 16, he just has the urge to go find a prostitute in, in Gaza. Okay? Once again, probably not the best idea. He goes to Gaza, finds one, is there, and this town people find out that he's around in this prostitute's house. He gets up in the middle of the night, walks off as they're waiting, they're waiting for him in the morning to capture him. He gets up in the middle of the night. Just to show off, he takes the city gates, rips them out of the ground, carries them on his back outside the dr and drops them to let them know that he was there and, and he escaped again. So he once again escaped. He flirted with danger a lot, you could say. And then we come to the most common Sunday school story of Samson. He meets a gal named Delilah. And this is where is kind of the beginning of the end for Samson. But before I read the story of Delilah and we get to what, what happened, it's interesting what the name Delilah means. Delilah means languishing, okay? To become weak or feeble, to waste away, to exist in miserable or disheartening situations, okay? Samson was a little unequally yoked with Delilah. He was opening up something that he couldn't win at the end of the day. So as he's with Delilah, Delilah is paid by the Philistines to find the secret of his strength. How can this dude be so bad? How can he be so strong? How can we contain him? So Delilah starts nagging, whining, crying. How, where's your strength, Samson? Where are you getting it from? So Samson's messes with it a little bit and said, if you just tie seven new bowstrings to my hair, I'm weak. So Samson falls asleep. The Bible says that Delilah tied seven bowstrings to his hair, but also snuck in Philistine army dudes into the house, in the closets, in the corner, so when he woke up, they could apprehend him immediately. So Delilah says, Samson, they're here, they're here. And he wakes up, rips the um, bowstrings off, has full strength, and she says, I thought, I thought that's what makes you weak. He's like, ah, no, not really. You know? But what I'm really curious about is what about those poor guys in the closet around the corner? They had to be freaking out at that point, like, this isn't good, right? So Delilah's like, you lied to me, Samson. How could you? Do you love me? And so Samson says, okay, it's, it's brand new rope. That's the secret, brand new rope. So we just start, we put the story on repeat. Samson falls asleep. He binds her with brand new rope. They sneak in the Philistine dudes. Samson, Samson, they're here. He wakes up, rips the rope. Delilah's crying. Now, oh, you lied to me again. How could you? Okay, we do it a third time. Okay, Delilah, if you weave seven braids into my hair, that's the one, okay? Are you promised? Yeah, I promise, you know, trust me. So she does the seven braids. They sneak the guys in. That isn't the deal either. But the fourth time gets him. He says, okay, dear, here's the deal. My hair's never been cut. That's the secret to my strength. Now, Samson must be an incredibly heavy sleeper. I mean, I don't have scripture to back that up, but as he's laying, he falls asleep in Delilah's arms, she has someone come in and shave his head. Now, I am not a good sleeper. I wake up at anything, and I rarely sleep through the night. But I can't imagine someone coming to my room and buzzing my hair and, you know, shaving it. I don't see how anyone could sleep through that, but he sleeps through it. Sam, Delilah wakes him up. Samson, they're here. He comes up, they're weak. They bind him. They got him. Samson has finally been caught. What the Bible says is they captured him. They gouged his eyes out. They threw him in prison. So he's sitting in prison. He's bound with chains. His daily duties include grinding grain. He was pushing a big rock wheel around, probably in a circle, grinding wheat. That was his job. The almighty Samson had been tamed. 
So this is where we're going to end the story temporarily for now and hit pause, because we finally got to the verse that I've been sitting on for 24 weeks, all right? Judges 16.22 says this, but before long, his hair began to grow back. His hair grew back. So I'd like to make three points on this story. First of all, as Christians, we need to embrace second chances. We need to embrace third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, 20th chances, 50th chances, 100th chances. We have to embrace the next chance. And only because God does. All right? So when we look at Samson, you could say that Samson had a lot of positive, positive traits. Okay, let's talk about what he was good at. He was full of the Spirit of God. Scripture says it. It tells us that. He was physically strong. He hated the Philistines. There's an asterisk by that one because he mostly hated the Philistines. There were a few girls that he didn't mind being around. He would fight for Israel even if he had to do it alone because he did it. He did great things for the Israelites. But now let's look at the other side of Samson. He was passionate with a lot of things, but you know that if you're passionate for the wrong reasons, that is not good. He was passionate for some of the wrong things. He was weak in character at times. As I mentioned before, he was a Philistine ladies' man. He had met his match in Delilah through a poor choice. He had many poor choices that he made through his life. He burned up chance two, three, and four pretty quick. But here's the thing. God didn't leave him or forsake him. God remained faithful to Samson despite all the things Samson's did. Now, I, you know, we know that God is all-powerful, knowing. He gave us free will, but I don't think God is shocked a lot. But I got to wonder if God a few times looked at Samson with like a little eye roll or a little like, oh, wow. You know, like, did you really do that? But our God is a God of second chances. Are we capable of giving ourselves a second chance? God is. Are you the one holding yourself back? Do we live in the freedom that God has given us? See, God forgave Samson and still accomplished great things through him. So I have to ask you, can you forgive yourself? Can you forgive others? See, why is it so hard for us to hold on to the past when God will gladly erase it? Why is it even easier to remember someone else's past? Because that's what we're really good at. We can name everything that everyone else is wrong at. And all their problems. You know what's interesting is, is thankfully we're not in political season right now, so we don't have political commercials, right? How many positive political commercials do we see on the news? How many political saying, this, is, this dude's great, this is what he's going to do? We don't see that. What do we see? Not about you as what, why the other guy is bad and what the other guy won't do. And you know why that is? Because the studies show that that's what buys votes. No one wants to hear what you can do. They want to hear what everyone else isn't. So when we go back to can you forgive yourself, can you forgive others? What we got to remember is no matter what situation you're in, with whatever person you're talking about, God loves them. So in our society, we'd rather know what a person can't do rather what, than what they can do. May I repeat, no matter what the situation, God loves them, God loves you. At the end of the day, we need to forgive ourselves first. 
See, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So second point I want to bring up is embrace your freedom in Christ. One of my favorite songs is No Longer Slaves. And the reason I like No Longer Slaves is because we're no longer slaves to sin because we are what? We are a child of God. Okay? When I look at Galatians 3.13, we're going to pull it up in four different translations. The first one we're going to read is the NIV, and it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So before we go any farther, what's the curse? Well, what Paul is explaining is this. It was and is impossible for anyone to be saved by works. Therefore, under the law, they were cursed. And who broke the curse? Jesus hanging on the cross. So that's the, that's the backstory to this verse. But Galatians 3 and the NIV says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The New Living Translation says, Christ rescued us from the curse. In the message, it says, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating cursed life. And my favorite translation is the Amplified, where Christ purchased our freedom and redeemed us. So how do we make that personal? Well, let's flip it. Let's put, instead of us, let's put me. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. Christ has rescued me from the curse. Christ redeemed me from that self-defeating curse life. Christ purchased my freedom and redeemed me. So, no big surprise, your mom was July 4th. All right, we're going to celebrate. And how do we as Americans celebrate July 4th? We blow stuff up, right? We're lighting fireworks, man. That's how we, that's how we celebrate. We're going to throw $2.5 billion up in smoke these next two days, all right? That's the estimated cost of the fireworks that are going to go up in America. Two and a half billion, just to remember, we're free, okay? And while we're blowing stuff up, somebody's going to be there with a phone or a speaker. They're going to be playing patriotic music, right? Because that's what we do. we got to listen to patriotic mu music, okay? Now, first service completely flunked this, okay? I'm just going to give you a heads up. So please don't flop this one, too. But there's so many songs that we all know that is going to be played at every fireworks show we're at, more than likely. And the first is good old Lee Greenwood. God bless the USA. I'm proud to be an American, right? We're playing that because it's July 4th. Where was Bruce Springsteen born? Born in the USA, man. And then I got to throw in Don McLean, you know, American Pie. We're playing those while we blow stuff up because, man, we're patriots, man. We're free. This is, this is America. And then we're dressing for the occasion, too. All right? We got some patriots in here today. Now, full disclaimer, mom's got her red, white, and blue shirt on because she listened to first service and then she changed quick. <laughs> so I could use her for an illustration. In the first service, Brett Dix was up for his flags and tanks on his shirt. Um, we got, oh, we have a patriot right here. But we're going to dress for freedom as well. So I put a few examples of what you're going to see when you go to, and these are the, believe me, these are the tame version, okay? This is the family-friendly version of the shirts you're going to see this weekend. This is more me. I'm playing. I'm just going to go to USA, okay? That's going to be my shirt if I got it. But here we go. Captain America with the, well, that could be mine too with the grill. But no, we're not America. We're America now, okay? Stay and fly on the 4th of July. I like it. That's a good one. That don't need words, man. We got the eagle with the headband. We're ready to go. You free tonight. That's a good one. And the last one we got is just, all right? 
we're patriots, man. We love our freedom, and we're going to celebrate that, right? We're going to celebrate hard these next few days because we're free. But here's the deal. American history is full of hardships. It's full of trials. It's full of failures. But they were still Americans throughout all their faults, all their failures, all their, all their downcomings. See, once they crossed the pond, they were not going back. Now, I love history. I don't know all history. I don't know if there's a few guys that are like, you just don't belong here. You got to go back. I don't think that was the case. But when they were here, they were committed. They were here. Some of those guys got off on the East Coast and took a wagon all the way to California. Those guys are crazy. All right? They crossed the mountains. They crossed the Rockies. I guarantee they had at least, they didn't have a flat tire, but they had a broken tire on their wagon wheel. They had to have a horse die. They had to have someone in the family die. They had to have hardship after hardship after hardship, but they kept going. All right? Here's the deal with us. We are no longer of this world, and we're not going back. So we have to fight through the hardships, through the trials, through the failures, because that's just what we do. So as Christians, do we live in the what have I done lately category? I'm no longer good enough. I failed too much. We're, are we really good at beating ourselves up over the bad things we do? When we're in a dark or tough place, which I hope no one is, but the reality is some of you guys are. Some of you are in a tough, dark place right now. And you know what you do then? You fight the hardest, okay? You know, as Pastor said last week, I'm sure it describes none of us, but a lot of us have a lot of quit in us. When the going gets tough, we make excuses, we throw a pity party, or maybe we even start hurting other people to make ourselves feel better. Some of us have to walk out of the situations that we're in, but some of us just enjoy the misery, and that's not what you were made for. Some of us have to literally get up off our butt and walk out. Not now, but the situation you're in they shouldn't be in, you need to walk out. What if we basked in the freedom that we have in Christ? Why do we make it so easy for the enemy to whisper in our ear? We have Galatians 3.13 right there for us all the time, yet we listen to the noise or listen to the bad. We need to daily live in Galatians 3.13. As I mentioned before, Samson's hair grew back. The last point I want to make is embrace the journey. Now, I love to think about odd things. As I mentioned before, my mind never turns off, especially at night. I can stay up all night thinking of worthless information that is just beyond dumb if I told you all the things I think of. But I started thinking about Samson's hair one night, and I'm like, okay, what about Samson's hair? Now, I looked up on the internet, I did, some, I did some searches like, how long was Samson's hair? How long did Samson's hair take to grow back? So full disclaimer, my opinion on the internet is probably 50% accurate 50% of the time. Okay, I hate to break that to you for someone that thinks it's always right, but so in my math right now, I'm thinking it's 50 and 50, so it's either zero to 100 accurate on the internet, is I think the scale of what you find on the internet. But the internet really doesn't know. There's no searches how long his hair was. But before I get into my odd questions, I had one commentary that I thought was really interesting, and it was this. Samson's hair resembled his relationship with God. As he grew with God, his hair grew. And when it was severed, his relationship was severed. But I think about Samson in jail with a shaved head. How did the hair grow back? If I'm a Philistine guard and I know that shaving his head was a secret to his strength, I'm shaving that thing at least twice a day. And we are not letting fuzz start. We are bicking that thing and keeping it high and tight forever. So did they, like, get off schedule? Or were they on a weekly schedule? Or was there a miscommunication of whose job it was to shave his head? But somewhere he had to have a little knuckle cut, I think. 
and like someone missed it or someone thought, yeah, it's not that bad yet? Or did he just wake up one morning, he just had like a huge mop up there? I don't know. But the, thought, the fact is his hair grew back. The Philistines missed it and Samson didn't. And my question is, what were the Philistines' thoughts and reactions when they realized he had his strength back? I bet there was some colorful conversation at that point. So let's pause on that thought for a second and talk about us. We all have a story, and that story is your story. Everyone in this room has ups, downs, and sideways that they've been through in their life. Have you done everything right? No. Have you made mistakes? Yes. But are you here today because of God's incredible grace? Absolutely. And that's what makes it your story. I truly enjoy hearing people's testimonies. And the reason is, is they're all so different. All of our stories are so unique. And the incredible difference in all of our stories brings us all here together for a similar purpose, which is just incredible. So what I would tell you is someone needs to hear your story. Embrace your story. Embrace the journey. Your testimony can and will reach somebody. Let me say that again. Your testimony can and will reach somebody. Because here's the thing. My story can't reach everybody. All right? Fisher's story can't reach everybody. Levinsky's story can't reach everybody. But all of our stories can reach somebody. Okay? You can reach people that I can't. It was wrote that mistakes, mishaps, and misfortunes could cause setbacks, but they are not the deciding factors in our destinies. God can always maneuver them to bring about his ultimate purpose in our lives. Now, on Twitter this week, Tim Tebow posted something I thought was, is perfect for this illustration. He, he posted this. If you are struggling right now, whether addiction, financial issues, low self-esteem, or fill in the blank if you're struggling, Allow me to encourage you. Your test can become testimony. God uses people who are broken and wounded and who want to live for him. Hashtag mission possible. Psalms 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. So every day I get a morning devotion on my phone. It's a a brief few paragraphs to read, and this, is, and this came in Friday. I was like, okay, it's admin. It's perfect for what we're talking about. And it said this, and I'm paraphrasing this devotion. The devil wants all Christians to be convinced that they deserve to be defeated, and the sad thing is it's working. Many Christians believe in God and his perfect will. They just think they've made so many mistakes they didn't make the cut. Many Christians have come up short so many times, they are living in shame and guilt on their own condemnation. The devil has told them that they are unworthy, that they have forfeited God's best for their life because they've made too many mistakes. Once again, Galatians 3.13, Christ purchased my freedom. So Samson ends by being listed in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith as a hero of the faith. Despite everything that we've talked about that he did, he's listed 
in the heroes of the faith. And chapter 16 ends with the heading, Samson's final victory. So as Samson stood next to the pillars, being mocked and ridiculed from the Philistines, he asked God for strength just one more time. Okay, He asked God for strength one more time. And as he pushed those pillars apart, as, as the roof came down, the Bible says that Samson took out more Philistines that day than he did throughout his entire life. Now, I don't think this is how the mighty Samson pictured the end for him. Okay, I don't think he saw himself in chains, no eyes, humiliated, mocked. I don't think that's how he saw the end. He had every reason to mail it in or to quit at that point. But he, he called on the Lord one more time and God delivered. We need to embrace the journey. Now we never wanna pass up the opportunity to allow someone to respond to the gospel. And today you may be in here and do not have a relationship with Christ and would like to have this be the day where that can start. Or you might be in here today and you've missed chance two and you're waiting for chance three. You've missed chance 200 and you're looking for 201. Well, today is the day. So with every head bowed, please, if you need to begin a relationship with him or if you need to restore something, if you just need one more chance, on the count of three, would you please raise your hand? One, two, three. Thank you, I see that. Would everyone please stand with me, please? There are these two hands that went up to have someone either restore their relationship with Christ, to have another chance, or to begin a relationship with Him. And we're going to pray a prayer together, and we're going to do it in support of you, and we're going to do it with you to encourage you. Please repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Take over every area, every aspect. Help me from this day forward to live for you. With all my heart and soul, all my mind and strength, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I'm going to end in a prayer in just a second, but the worship team is going to lead us in one more song. We're going to have a prayer team come up front. And please don't miss the opportunity to have prayer. Have the boldness to come out and give prayer for anything. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll help you. But please step out if you need prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this weekend where we can celebrate our freedom in the country that we have, the freedom to worship you, to come to church, but also to not forget the freedom we have in you. Help us to embrace that freedom, to embrace our journey, to embrace one more chance, Father, because you love us and you love all, and it's ultimately your will for us. Thank you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.